It's great to see everybody tonight in Jesus' name. Brother, um, Brother Jordan Oswald violated a principle of a Pentecostal church service. He talked about food. I was doing fine until he started talking about what they're going to be serving in a couple weeks because I'm hungry. And, uh, but really, he did awesome tonight. They all did awesome tonight. We're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. We are so blessed. I just, I just, I just feel so blessed. Not perfect, but blessed in Jesus' name. Well, I need to talk to us for the next several moments tonight. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Very familiar. Appreciate uh, everybody taking the time. and You know, it's a big deal. The, the, the world, the world, quote, unquote, doesn't understand coming to church as much as an apostolic church gathers together. Um, it has got to become a revelation of Scripture and a revelation in your life of getting together with God's people and coming together to worship Him Matthew chapter 28, <clears throat> familiar passage of Scripture, so familiar I can quote this, and all of our Bible quizzers say amen. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, that word power comes from a Greek word, exousia, that means authority, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach. Sometimes we get in such a hurry because as apostolics, we, we understand where the, where the meat is in all this. We just go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. What, a, what an incredible promise. God is with us. I want to talk to us for a few moments uh, from my heart to yours tonight about making disciples, making disciples. Let's pray. Let's pray one more time that the Word of God would have entrance and access into our hearts and minds. God, we love you. We praise you. God, I pray you strengthen the weary. I pray you touch the sick. I pray you strengthen the weak. 
pray you lift up the downtrodden, bind up the brokenhearted, set at liberty them that are bruised. Touch us all. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There is no other passage. Well, maybe Matthew 16 is as familiar. But certainly this passage of Scripture is so familiar that, as I've already mentioned, many of us here tonight could quote this. Uh, the Great Commission. But there are some things in here that we need to talk about because it's critical. It's critical to the survival of the church. It's critical to the will of God, the plan of God, and our purpose in the earth. Verse number 18, of course, <clears throat> all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Verse 19 says, go ye therefore and teach. In Mark chapter number 16, which is one of the um, harmonies of the gospel, whenever you have two or three scriptures throughout the synoptics, the synoptic accounts is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But when you ever have more than two, more than likely three, they call that the harmonies of the gospel, and often it's the exact same account recorded by a different author. This is one of those. This is known by biblical expositors as being the Great Commission because it's the last, um, it's the last statement of Jesus, the last command of Jesus in the Gospels. Of course, Acts chapter number 1 is an addendum to this. But notice with me here in Matthew chapter number 28, this is the one that most of the denominational world accepts as the Great Commission. It's incredible because they have a tendency to overlook what's said in Mark and also in Luke. It's in Mark chapter 16 and then also in Luke chapter number 24. In Mark's account, he says, go and preach the gospel to every creature. He says to preach. In Luke's account, 24, it said that it would begin in Jerusalem. And Luke was a little bit different anyway as being a physician. But the main thing that I want, thank you, Brother Andrew. Go back to that one, please. And that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Notice with me that Mark and Luke said to preach, which means to proclaim. And Matthew's account, it does not say to preach, it says to teach. Now there's something interesting grammatically in verse number 19, <coughs> excuse me, verse number 19, in Virtually every single English translation, with the exception of the King James Version, and maybe, maybe one or two others, 
this first, or rather that second phrase does not say to teach. It says to make disciples. In the King James Version, it says to teach. But in virtually a majority, that's probably the best way to say it, the majority of English translations have used the exact same word, the exact same word, and they translated that, make disciples. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, making disciples. So it's noteworthy that Matthew's account records that Jesus is saying teach before they're baptized and teach after they're baptized. And I want to tell you that we are in full agreement with that. We are in full agreement that people need to be instructed, even people that get baptized um, in a Sunday service, um, we always take them to several scriptures throughout the book of Acts so that they can not just see the importance of baptism, but that they can see the importance of being baptized in Jesus' name. We want them to know exactly why they're doing what they're doing and exactly its place in the Word of God. Amen? But this this phrase in verse 19 has stopped me in my tracks. Go ye therefore and make disciples. This word in the Greek literally means a pupil and a relationship between the teacher and the pupil. It's not just focusing on the instructor and it's not just focusing on the pupil or the student, but it's looking at the relationship that exists between the one that is teaching and the one that is being instructed or the student. It means to one who follows another's teaching or instruction. And so as we continue on here into verse number 20 <clears throat> that begins with the word teaching, this is a different Greek word. And it puts the emphasis on the teacher or to give instruction teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. If you could somehow describe this in a real-world setting, the very first body of instruction would be to introduce them to Jesus and introduce them to the fact that they are in need of a Savior. They need to be born again. And Jesus has made a way for that to take place. And then in verse number 20, and I'm just, I'm just describing this so you can see the distinction in this 
two usages of the word here, but a different word. Teaching is placed on the instructor, and it's teaching the person after they've been baptized. And I'm going to add to this because I'm going to incorporate Mark's account after they've received with the Holy Ghost. These signs shall follow them that believe. They're baptized in my name. That's, that's what it says in Mark chapter number 16. They will speak with new tongues. That they should be taught to follow the teachings of Jesus. Are you with me? Okay, that's a very general explanation about making disciples. So the first body of teaching with a disciple is to bring them into a relationship. And the second body of teaching is to root them and ground them in learning about Jesus. So teaching is at the heart of making disciples, not preaching. I have to confess to you that I am um, I'm struggling with this a little bit. The reason for that is, is because, and I'm not blaming everything on our culture, but it is becoming an increasingly great challenge to get people to commit to teaching. Um, just by way of an illustration so you understand what I'm talking about, every single Sunday at 10 o'clock, we're now conducting it over in the education center. We have a new beginnings class. Um, we actually put together our own um, curriculum. There are 12 lessons. There's a couple more that we added. Um, there are other people around the country that have gotten a hold of this new beginnings class, and they are teaching it to their new converts. Even the Rock Church in Sacramento asked for our um, new converts course, and they're teaching it down there in Sacramento and I think a few other places. But it just, it seems like one week we'll have five people and the next week we'll have two people. Or one week, I remember one time um, looking in when my office was over there, I remember looking in, just popping my head in, and every single chair in that room was filled. Brother Chris Earls, you remember that? Brother Chris Earls and Brother Isaac Roberts are our faithful instructors of that class. They do a great job. But I remember popping my head in and seeing a person in every single seat. And it's not just, hey, just come and we're gonna, we're gonna give you cornflakes. We serve them donuts. Ladies and gentlemen, I do not know what the connection is with preachers and donuts. But I would go into the class before anybody showed up. I was not stealing. I had permission, didn't I, Brother Chris? That very good answer, Brother Chris. Very good. Because... 
you're, maybe you're a nutritionist. Maybe you're, God forbid, but maybe we have some vegetarians out there. But you're just going to have to give me a break. There is a unique relationship between preachers and donuts. And I think it's because I'm starting to look like a donut. I just threw that out there. It's really kind of true, but I won't go into the details. Here's our challenge. We are having, it's becoming more apparent that one of the challenges of the 21st century is to get people that need God to commit to teaching. We can serve donuts. We've got coffee. We have water. Um, it's, it's comfortable. The heat's on or the air conditioning's on, whatever. Environmentally, we do everything within our power to make it attractive and comfortable and everything that it can be and should be. But our challenge is, is that it seems like people cannot commit And I'm, I'm having a problem with this. And I'm not having a problem putting the blame on the people. That's not my intent here tonight. I am, I am perplexed. I am challenged because people have got to have this information. You cannot just show up at church anytime your flesh feels like it and go on what you think about God and think that that's good enough to go to heaven. You've got to have a pastor. You've got to have a church. That is the will of God. I got Bible for it. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you cannot go on the commitment of your, of your parents. You cannot go on the commitment of, of a guy that you work with. You cannot go on the commitment of your grandparents. You have got to have a walk with God for yourself. And I want to tell you that Cornerstone, above all else, we're doing a lot of different things, and, 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 and it's all good. But I want to tell you, the bottom line is we have to be making decisions. We've got to be influencing people. God called us to affect this world with the most powerful thing in this world. And I am greatly challenged by this. I'm not... I'm not upset, I'm not angry, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just probing, I'm pushing, I'm praying, I'm, it's, it's not enough that we're here. I, mean, I thank God that you're here tonight, and I, I thank God for people that come on Sundays, and I thank God for all the people that do everything that they're doing, I thank God for every bit of that. But I'm going to tell you, there are tens of thousands of people in this community, they ought to have never heard this message before. This message that I preached that the Catholic Church has tried to adopt, which every denomination lifted it from the Catholic Church, that's apostolic. That is not Catholic. That it... There is only one name under heaven whereby we must be, come on, somebody. That is apostolic. And it is the purpose of the apostolic church to affect the lives of people 
in that community. And so, help me pray. Help me pray. Something's got to break. Maybe we need a little bit of flexibility where I, I don't know if it's because people are just, and I'm not, I'm not throwing stones. I'm just probing. I'm probing. But is it, is it because people just have it in their mind that I'm not going to show up until the service, quote, unquote, officially starts? Is it that I don't want to get up a little early and maybe drink my coffee a little early and, 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 and get ready so that I can be there? Is it, is it that, um, is it that I, I don't need all that, I just, I just want to be there to get what I feel like I need and, and I don't need all that? I don't know what it is, but I want to tell you that if we keep pushing hard enough and we continue to pray, something is going to break because that is not in vain. The Word of God is not in vain. Oh, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. God's going to help us. Now, it's not just because we're in the 21st century. I've even thought, and I like this idea, I might as well say this since we're on this, we're thinking about recording all of the lessons digitally and put it on our website. And when people come to the church, um, just a couple of times, we give them a pass, a passcode. And they can get in there using that passcode, and they can, they can do that material anytime they want to. The key is not that you got to fit my program. The key is you got to get the Word of God. The key is you have got to comprehend what that book is saying to your life. Oh, somebody help me out tonight. This is not about our little program. This is about you've got to have the Word of God. But people think, I'm okay. Because a man's work and life is not judged speedily. They think they're okay. The reality is you're not okay. But this is not something that just has happened in the 21st century. I was the only guy in my new, new beginnings class. Brother Sergeant, it was me, Brother Ron Burnett. There was a couple other, um, I, even, I just remembered this. My wife came in and sat a couple sat in a couple classes. I think she was in love with me way back then. I can say whatever I want. She ain't here. And if you tell her, I'll find out who you are. I'm just having fun. Kind of. But no, I, I, I was the only one in this, in this class. Man, I'm just, I'm just an ex this and an ex that. But man, I loved you. I, I just, I had been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. I didn't know anything. 
I did not know anything. And I took this Bible course that said, your Bible, a whole new world. And I went to every single one of those. I finished that entire course. But there were other people that were coming in the church, and they didn't even go to that class. I mean, I'm not going to say that the reason why I went to that class is why I'm still here tonight, but, but I'm just telling you that that class helped me. I didn't understand one thing about the Bible. If you would have said, uh, where's Genesis, I would have said, I don't have a clue. If you would have said, where's Revelation, I would have said, I don't even know. I didn't even, I didn't even read half the Bible because I couldn't understand it. Man, who are these guys talking to? And I don't understand this, and I don't understand that, and I don't understand this. But God saw me going to that class, and God, come on, somebody, this is what I'm talking about. If you ain't got time for the Word of God, you really don't want to be saved. Because it's more than some 20th century idea that I just got to show up and God's going to meet my need. And, and no, 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 no. This is a relationship that is going to span eternity that starts right here, right now. Oh, let's clap our hands and let's give him praise. Pardon me for using this phrase. But it just seems to fit right now. People just don't know what they need. They're ignorant. That doesn't mean you're stupid. There's a difference between stupidity and ignorance. And ignorance does not mean you're stupid. Ignorant means that there are some things that you're not aware of. The church comprehends. I saw, I was looking out my window um, in my office on Sunday and I saw you and maybe maybe one or two other guys walk out. Thank you for your faithfulness. I don't care if not one person shows up, we are going to be ready to teach. We are going to I don't Devil, you ain't shutting us down. Devil, you're not adjusting my schedule. I'm going to be faithful when nobody else is faithful. God's going to be faithful if nobody else is. Clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm not upset, but I am intense. I'm not upset, but I am intense. Because, see, there's people in our 21st century world that think, I know more than that preacher does. I know more than those people do. I know more. I know more. You don't understand that God does not reveal to the pew, what he's revealing to a God called man. You know, you know, our world can't comprehend that, but there's things God's going to limit to you to make sure that you've got the submission thing right and you got the accountability thing right. And once you get locked into that, God says, open up his eyes there. Open up his understanding there. Open up, and all of a sudden, it's like, my God, where have I been every day of my life? Why didn't I get into this sooner? It's glorious. It's vast. It's wide. It's deep. Oh, yes, it is. And just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean other people. See, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. 
because I haven't experienced, nobody has. Ladies and gentlemen, there's people here that have touched the throne and have seen him high and lifted up, and that's why they are faithful every single one vision will make you responsible. One vision will make you faithful. One vision will knock the immaturity out of you. One vision, and you'll be on a whole different wavelength. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. We're just trying to get people to the place where they can get their own vision. They can get their own touch. They can get their revelation. They can get their understanding. And so we are faced, I mean, there are people in this church that have been coming to Cornerstone. I think, I just, I love them. I'm glad they're coming. Our, our new beginning class starts at 10. And they almost tell me with nonverbal communication skills, I won't be there. Why? I'm just going to show up for the music, the action. So I'm not trying to be dismal, and I'm not trying to be oppressive and negative, but I am trying to be real because as a leader, as a Christian leader, this is what I'm confronted with. And we will continue to keep trying and continue to keep working with people. But when people backslide, it's not, I don't want it to be that we weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing. Listen, let me give you a little, let me give you a little deal. If somebody, if somebody leaves this church and they stay home, their problem was not with me and it was not the church. They had a problem with their faithfulness to God. No, no. I mean, we love you. You're, you're okay. We're not throwing rocks at anybody, but we're making some definitions here. Why? Because people are always trying to blame. We're in a blame culture. If you, if, you, if you say, I got offended and I'm just not going back to church, it wasn't the church that offended you. You got a problem with God. But if you say, this church, it just something doesn't fit, but I'm not going to leave the truth. I'm, I can accept that. I can. Somebody, this is not 101 stuff. This is, we're going up a little bit. And so when you find somebody that has genuinely backslid and they said, well, the church offended me, it's like, why didn't you go to another one? No, what it is is that's your excuse for walking out on God and going back to drugs and back to fornication and back to loose living, but now you got an excuse. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. You come and tell me what we did. Let us wash your feet. Give us an opportunity to make it right so we can dance together. We can run together. We can go to heaven together. This pastor just too raw. Well, 
Man, I was raw when I was living for the devil. I'm going to be extra raw when I'm living for God. Because it's just I'm, just, I'm just a rubber where the rubber meets the asphalt. So this is our challenge as a congregation. Because you and I are blessed to be here in the 21st century in a community that largely has never heard this message. Oh, yeah, yeah, I read the Bible. I know, I know all that stuff. Wonderful. But do you know what it truly means to be apostolic? What does that mean? They're the ones that wrote the Bible. They're the ones that started the New Testament church. They're the ones that wrote the churches that they started in Asia Minor. And so they understood salvific doctrine. They understood apostolic procedure in the church. And they understood Christian lifestyle. But I found a little loophole that can help us. And let's lift our hands and let's just pray for a minute. I want to talk to you about this little loophole. And then... We're going to be dismissed, and you go home, make a ham sandwich before you go to bed. I'm sorry. I can't quit talking about food. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you. God, touch us tonight. Talk to us, Jesus. God, we want, we want to do whatever it takes. Talk to us. Work with us, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. One of the greatest assets that we have is found right here in Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. And they continued steadfastly in post-Reformation doctrine. And they continued steadfastly in ecumenical doctrine. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking in bread and in prayers. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. I'd hate to pin the tail on the wrong horse tonight. But I've often wondered if one of the reasons why I'm still hanging around is there were people in the church that I got saved that said, you know what? It's not ending when the lights turn off. Why don't you come on over to the house and we're going to have something to eat and we'll talk about the things. That come on, somebody. How bad do you want revival? No, you know, Pastor, we, we got something going on today. I understand. There is a loophole. And I'm going to show you a key how that we can have revival, even though we can't get people to come at 10 o'clock in the morning for New Beginnings class. We'll get them after church. 
Clap your hands and give God the praise. See, how bad do you want revival? Are you willing to think? Are you willing to adjust your schedule? Are you willing to adjust your religiosity so that we can have a 21st century revival that blazes a trail before we're raptured out of here? I'd hate to pin the tail on the wrong horse. But I wonder if one of the reasons I just hung around is because there's some people that fed me. You could take one look at me and tell that somebody has fed me. I was sitting in my office this afternoon weeping my eyes out as I remembered one family in particular. They had room for me. Like you might say, well, you know, you know, we're just busy and we've got a schedule and we've got our little clan and we ain't got room for anybody in our clan. In heaven, there's going to be a reward for people. There's a pastor in Spokane, Washington, because when I was a new convert, people said, you, you don't need to go back to your house all by yourself. You come on over to the house. Mama's going to cook something, and we're going to talk about God. We're going to keep church going. We're... And I became a disciple. Maybe not be... Come on, somebody clap your hand. I'm going to challenge the selfishness that says I ain't got room for anybody. It's time you open up that house and let somebody in. Come on, clap your hands back here. You got that nice big house. You got that nice big truck. I found a loophole. Ladies and gentlemen, I've never met a human being that didn't like to eat. Regardless of whether they lived in the back seat of a car or lived in a tent right off the interstate. Are you guys ready for this tonight? We might just, you guys ready for this? Like, you, you, you need to understand. I've been, I've been here 29 years. I'm ready to readjust everything for this end time revival. In fact, we're getting ready to sell our house so I can move closer to the church, so I can bring people from this altar right to my house and say, you might not have eaten. Honey, bring me the Bible. We, he wants to hear more about Jesus' name, baptism. Honey, turn it to one God. Honey, turn it to holiness. He wants to. Why don't you go out of this in a blaze of glory? I found a loophole. why something's not happened in a lot of our lives? 
is because we have plateaued on the spiritual experience that we have that brought us to this place. You need to understand something about yourself. God is not going to move you to the next level till you do something different. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have to say, I'm getting out of my comfort zone. My wife and I are going to knock doors every Saturday morning. We're getting out of our comfort zone. We're going to work with Brother Sergio and Sister Angelina in the bus ministry. We're, we made up our minds. We're, we've, our, our name is already written over there. It's time for us to pull these out and pull those out and help somebody. I wonder if we started working with unknowns, if God would touch our son and touch our daughter and bring. Come on, clap your hand and give God the praise. Oh, 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 I know something would happen. Go back to Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42. This is in verse 41. Go to verse 41. Please. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. So this is after church. This is after the baptismal service. This is after the preaching. This is after the prayer meeting in the upper room. This is after the demonstration of the Holy Ghost and fulfillment of Joel chapter number 2. This is after Peter preached. This is after 3,000 were baptized. Now go to the very next verse. And they continued steadfastly. Hey, man, I'm glad to meet you guys. You got any plans after church? Not really. We've been looking for a church like this. There's no sense you going back home and letting the devil convince you that we're a bunch of we're a bunch of whacked out religious rejects. Why don't you come on over to the house and you can feel the peace of God and you can feel the love of God and you can oh God, I'm preaching to somebody. You're perfectly fine, plateaued out. You don't even know what God would do. God would take you to another level, and you'd say, Pastor. When you first preached that, I got mad. But after God started working on me, now I'm glad. And best of all, the devil's sad. All right. To all you clock watchers, I've only been preaching 30 minutes. Now, if you'll notice, there ain't no clock up here. But don't be like Lot's wife. The clock's right there. See, that clock's supposed to remind me that y'all are human. And you <laughs> I'm almost done. I found a loophole, Brother David. I found a loophole where a church can have revival in the 21st century. How do we do that? We become just like the first century.
as in a congregation, I, everything's great. Everything's wonderful. But this is one area that I think we can improve. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse number 46. Watch this. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from this side over here, please. One more try. Wake up your next door neighbor and say it again. This section right here. That's a little messy, but you're louder than they are. This section right here. Wow. And finally. Just, I'm, I'm not going to belabor it. Some of you are affording me a great amount of patience here tonight. So they had church in the temple, and then where did they go? Well, I said I'd see them on Tuesday. All right. Well, what's the devil going to do? Go in retirement? The devil, the, he comes to church and gets a wonderful touch and sees something and feels something, and you say, well, I'll see you on Tuesday night. You ain't never going to see that guy again. Paul said we're not ignorant of his devices. The devil's going to be all over here. The devil's going to have some girlfriend call him up. The devil's going to have some boyfriend call her up. The devil's going to create some issue. You ain't never going to see that person again. But if we say, you know what? Church ain't stopping around here because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. Come on, I'm trying to preach to some of us. Some of us cold, isolated, northwestern people. Man, I remember when I was knocking doors. I'd knock on doors. And people would look outside the home. You know, people from the northwest. I Leave me alone. Leave us alone. You know, like some tweaker, you know. Somebody's there. He looks like he's FBI. Honey, go out the back window. Listen, preacher, we moved up to Washington to get away from all that stuff. Leave us alone. No, we ain't going to leave you alone. God ain't going to leave you alone. The devil ain't going to leave you alone. The world ain't going to leave you alone. And we aren't going to leave you alone because you don't know what's good for yourself. And we're not going to get we're not going to get rude and we're not going to do all that stuff, but we're going to go to praying. We're going to go to believing. We're going to say, God, we're doing our part. We're knocking over here. We need a harvest over here. We're going to plant here. We need to reap over there. Somebody clap your hand to give him praise. House to house. I told my wife, I am, I am getting more calls to preach out than I ever have my entire ministry. I can't do it anymore. I don't want to do it. Why? I don't want to leave. I love it here. I love what God's doing here. But God already told me I have to go to some places. 
But I am here to prophesy to this church that if you will get this revelation, we are going to see a revival like we have never had before. The retention level is going to go up instead of down. Well, what's going on? I don't know, man. I went to this church, you know. Wow, it's rocking. It's unbelievable. Then what happened? Well, I went to the bar. What's going over at the bar? Well, you know, go-go dancers and hula skirts. And all of a sudden, he forgot about the church. Pastor, why are you preaching this? Because you're looking at somebody that had the same kind of issue. But bless your heart, there were people that took me under their wing and said, you don't need to be going to no bar. You don't need to be going to no empty house. You don't need to be going back to a television. You don't need to be going back to Hollywood. You come on over to the house. We're going to feed you. We're going to put on a preaching tape. We're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about the Word of God. We're going to talk about the goodness of God. We're going to talk about what God's going to do in your life. Clap your hands and give Him praise. Man, when I, I was a new convert and came down with hepatitis type B, I thought, man, this church is going to kick me out of the church. No, the music director said, why don't you come on over to our house? You can sleep on the couch. And I told her when I got over there, I stayed a couple days, and I brought some paperwork home from uh, the free clinic that took the test. She read that paperwork, and she said, honey, I'll do anything I can with you to help this man. But it's saying that we have to wash his bedding almost every day. We've got to wash his dishes with bleach because it's highly communicable. And there was an, there was an older. Let's lift our hands and worship God. You're going to have to forgive me. I wouldn't be here today if it was a church that just let me go my own way. You know, the problem is some of you people moved here and you had that loving, giving spirit and the devil's tried to wear you out. Everybody knows that the devil's going to fight a soul winner more than he's going to fight a preacher. Because that soul winner is the key to the next level. I got to feel the Holy Ghost right now. Forgive me, I'm almost done.
what would happen if we all committed as a congregation to start inviting people over to our house. I got plans, Pastor. Okay. Every Sunday? That's what I'm preaching. What if you, what if you said, no, no, we're going to bring somebody home today. We're going to feed somebody. We're going to talk to somebody about the Bible. Or just have it made up in your mind. Have it settled. You see some couple, you see some young person come in, get baptized, get the Holy Ghost. We're not just going to abandon them like they got cooties. Like our professional Pentecostalism is once, once the lights turn off, we just go back to being whatever we want to be. I found a loophole, Elder. I wonder if this church is big enough, bold enough to walk through this loophole with a pastor. I wonder if we really got enough God to really focus on somebody else. Go to that scripture in Acts 5, please. I'm almost done. Look at all through the book of Acts. And daily in the temple. And then after the temple, where did they go? Brother David Gazzani, where I got written grounded, was not that little Bible study at 10 o'clock in the morning with Brother Ron Burnett. Why I'm here? I had people that were feeding me, that were talking to me about things in the Bible that were so far beyond where I was, I couldn't get enough of it. I was hooked. You want, you want to get to the next level? It ain't going to be an angel that stands by your bedside. It's going to be you saying, I got to do something. I got to do something. I got to break out of this. The devil's trying to just tell me that this is where I'm at, and I don't know where God is now, and I don't know where I'm at. You know what it is? It's your move. It's not God's move. The minute you make your move, God's going to say, that's just what I was waiting on. I found the loophole. I found a loophole to make disciples and it ain't going to be over a box of Krispy Kreme donuts it's going to be sitting around the table talking about the amazing things that God is going to do Peter was staying at Simon the Tanner's house when an angel appeared in Cornelius' house. Then there was a prayer meeting for Peter in Mary's house. Paul and Silas went to the jailer's house. 
Revival in Corinth in Acts 18 was in a house. Revival was in a church in Romans, Romans 16 and 5, that was in a house. 1 Corinthians 16, 19, the church in their house. Colossians 4, 15, the church in his house. Philemon 1 and 2, the church that is in thy house. Satan has tried to convince the Pentecostal movement that your home is to be different than the church. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands. For those of you, and there are some of you around this room, more than a few that already do this, you are of inestimable value to the kingdom of God. Father, I pray by the authority of the name of Jesus that people that cooperate with the direction of the Spirit, instead of their home becoming a man cave or a place for entertainment, it becomes a place for making disciples. Grant their greatest request, answer their deepest prayers, meet their most distant needs, and anoint them with power and glory from another world. Now we're going to do one more thing, and then we'll be dismissed. I want, I want to invite everybody, but I already know how it is, and so I don't want you to feel like you're obligated to do this. And that is not a condemning statement because I know if you don't get it tonight, you might get it next month or six months from now or next year, whatever it is. But if you're tonight in the presence of God and all his holy angels and the devils that are, that are at war with this altar... If you're ready to walk through this loophole with me, I want you to slip out. I don't want you to come unless you really, really mean it. And I'm not going to look at you any differently because six months makes a big difference. Three months makes a difference. Another year makes a difference. Like, I want to see it where people in the church are, I invited them. No, I invited them. No, that other family invited them. They actually called them on Saturday. I can't wait till it gets to that place, to where you got people that are in competition. No, they're coming to our house tonight. No, no, we're not just going to go home and sit in a room together and look at each other and, and wonder, wonder what we can do to pass the time with entertainment and cell phones and, 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 and the Internet and social media. But I want to I wanna make disciples. If you're in this altar and you really, really mean this, 
Would you lift your hands and let's pray together right now by the authority of the name of Jesus. I'm not worried about their kids. Their kids can come to my house. They might knock over a piece of furniture. Okay, I'll buy another one. Souls are more important than objects. Come on, lift your voice with me and let's pray together. By the authority of the name of Jesus. Just think of somebody whose name is going to be written on the other side that's not here tonight, that you made the difference. It wasn't the pastor. It wasn't the choir. It wasn't even the preaching. It was somebody that sat down and talked to you. Come on, pray with me, pray with me, pray with me, pray with me, pray with me. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, I pray that you open up the windows of heaven. I pray that the angels of God are assigned to these people to give them favor with people. People don't care if you're serving steak. People don't care if it's a five-course meal. People don't care about any of that. They just don't want to go back to the bar. They just don't want to go back to the drugs. They don't just... In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The thing that drives me, Brother Jackson, is that there's 5,000 other Rick Mayos in Spokane. Oh, well, I'm a pastor now, and I can just drive off, and I've got all these excuses, but there's somebody out there that's got the same background, has the exact same connection that you have, that you can make a difference. Let's pray one more time. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for all these wonderful, dedicated, godly people that want to be involved with the move of the Holy Ghost. Unlike any other, I'm telling you, I've never even heard this kind of preaching before. But I'm asking God, why, 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 why? And God says, don't try to get them before church. Get them after church. Oh, let's love him again. Let's praise him. Let's magnify him. Let's give him glory. God, I pray that you give wisdom. I pray that you 
grant understanding. I pray that you grant a level of supernatural maturity in some cases to know what to do, know what to say. In Jesus' name. God bless each and every one of you wonderful, godly, tremendous people. Shake hands and be friendly. We'll see you tomorrow night.